Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. We thank our presenting sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center. Wellspire offers personal and professional development opportunities in a beautiful facility in the Gulch neighborhood. Stop by for an event with world-renowned speakers or host an off-site event that will wow your team or your clients. We thank our co-presenting sponsor, The Well Coffee House, which turns coffee into water and has a mission to bring clean water to the world. Today's news presented by Sutherland & Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland & Belk is committed to fighting for those who've been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Tyron Lawrence will announce his decision on Thursday. The point guard prospect from Sunrise Christian in Kansas will choose between Vanderbilt, Cal, and Ole Miss. Our guest line presented by Bolin Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue what I was missing in Bolin Branch sheets until I got some for myself. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Our question and answer session presented by Mark Gent of Simply a Fan. Mark organizes road trips to sporting events across the country and is doing so for several Vanderbilt baseball road series in the future. Go to simplyafan.com, get more information, and tell them you heard about it on this podcast. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, Weather willing, uh, we're going to have this podcast today. There are thunderstorms rolling through his area with some hail and some other issues. So if the animals don't go crazy, uh, we will have a podcast today. And if you don't go crazy, how are you? Man, <laughs> man, don't you just think about that, right? You think you ever would say, utter the words, I will get through this, through this podcast, weather permitting. <laughs> I mean, right. That's, that's a, certainly a new one on me, but I, I think we should be fine. You know, it's, it's sunny here right now, but in the outlying areas, the TV's going off. We're getting lots of warnings for there's some severe thunderstorms. There's supposed to be some nasty stuff coming through later on. So we'll see. Do your dogs freak out? over thunderstorms i had one uh one of the two we had of course we lost them both a couple of years ago (laughs) if it was thunderstorming late in his life nobody was sleeping because he had to be right up in your face the whole time and he was freaked out (laughs) i mean barking and panting and just like i remember one night in particular I, i don't know that i slept three or four hours because he wasn't sleeping and he was not going to be more than 12 inches from my face. Yeah. Well, his twin brother must live here because that's the same thing. Uh, I have two. Uh, my female, man, she don't care about nothing. My pit bull, she don't care about thing in the world. But Dr. Sheldon Cooper is another story altogether. And he did not used to be this way. And I've had him since he was a baby. Uh, a puppy, excuse me. Uh, but since he was a little puppy, and he never, never, that dog completely fearless. But in the last 
year or two, when storms come through, man, all those things that you're describing, he does that. I remember a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a month ago or something like that, one ran through, ran through here at night, and I was asleep. Next thing I know, I wake up, and this sucker, forget 12 inches, man, forget social distance. And this dude, it was like you painted him on my face. I mean, he was just attached to my face, and he was doing all those things. Uh, the older he gets, the more it bothers him. I think we may be getting another dog sometime soon. I wish you would. Man, I, mean, I, hope, I hope to God we do, because this is the time to do it. The kids at home and bored, and we've got free time. And In fact, we were, we, we've been looking. My wife has been searching the adopted dogs pages. But the problem is the stock of them right now isn't very high. Sure. You got anything in mind in particular? You know, um... We had two Shih Tzus, and I like those dogs. They were, they were fun. They live a long time. Uh, both of ours lived to be sixteen. See, that's the thing with me. I get attached to dogs. I mean, I was. We had to give Max away about two or three years before he died because he bit Isabella, but he became my parents' dog, so I still got to see him some. Um, and I was pretty heartbroken when he died. When Riley died two and a half years ago. I was devastated because that dog, if I was in the house, he was within five feet of me. Um, Same here. He was the best dog. He was the best dog I ever had. And that, I mean, I'm still, that one still hurts to think about. So small dogs I like because they live longer. And you know that when you get a dog, you're going to go through that. So to me, um, man, those guys were so much fun. They had so much personality. They were very opposite. Um, but they were just, they were a blast to be around. Riley would just chase tennis balls, uh, until my arm fell off. Um, so I think that I, I'm, I'm a little partial to those because that's what we had and it worked and they lived a long time. Plus, I, <laughs> you know, when it's when you got a smaller dog and you needed to move or whatever, you could just pick him up and get him out of your way, which makes it a little bit easier too. So I think for all those reasons, I think we'll get something small, mostly because of the lifespan thing. I don't know what we'll end up getting, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if we owned something within the next month. See, it's the right thing to do, man. It's the right, it's the right thing to do. And luckily for me, both of my dogs are going to live forever, so I won't have to worry about that. <clears throat> yeah, that that last one. I mean, we had dogs when I was a kid. And they all lived pretty long, and it's always hard. But the last one, uh, and you think it's easy because when you have kids, your your focus shifts. But that one wasn't. I was, I was very attached to Riley. So, yeah. Any idea? On, well, you can't. You can't really get an idea of what you're going to name it till you see it. But uh, I, on the next podcast, I have some suggestions for you. How about that? Well, let me put it this way: uh, neither you nor I will have much influence on the name. <laughs> like that? Come on. <laughs> I'll just, know, I'll just be happy to pay. have one. Naming the dog Peyton. Well, if we get if we get, like if we get a dog anyway, it's probably going to be adopted, or there's a decent chance that may already come with a name, which might not be the worst thing, because that might cut out a fight between my son and my daughter. If it's a boy, that's all I'm gonna say. If if it's a, if it's a male, I'll, if you would do me the honor of naming it Eugene, I think that would be great. 
<laughs> that would be wonderful. <laughs> Eugene. <laughs> All right, you ready to do this? Yeah, I think you wanted to go Tyron Lawrence first. Yeah, what about that, man? Uh, you know, woke up, I think it was this morning or yesterday morning to to see David Sisk posting, who I, I just love David Sisk, man. Uh, it's one of the best additions you've ever had. That dude is so good. Uh, you know, basically saying, look for Tyron Lawrence to sign with the Commodores. That's a big deal. That's a, that's a very big deal. Uh, you know, we've been talking about needing to add some perimeter depth, and I think that certainly does that. And you watch him, and he can create his own shot. I mean, seems to have a pretty good shot. I think he's left-handed, I do believe, uh, but has a pretty smooth shot, runs the court pretty well, got some length for the perimeter, uh, and would be a very nice addition late in the game for this class. I mean, I'll, I'll take Lawrence and, and, and Stutes. I mean, that, that's nice. I'd love to get the, the sharpshooter, too, out of Minnesota, but uh, – not a bad one-two punch for Coach Stackhouse. Good job. The interesting thing on Lawrence is I thought he was left-handed too because the first few clips of his highlight film, he goes to his left so well. He finishes a dunk with his left hand. But I could swear when he shot a jump shot on the camera side of the floor, it looked to me like he was following through with his right hand. So I think he's right-handed, but I just think he – he handles the ball really well with either hand, and he finishes well with either hand, which I watch his tape, and honest to God, he's 139. And I know, I feel like this whole argument's about the self-destruct on itself, which is redundant. I didn't mean it to be. Uh, I feel like this whole argument will self-destruct because I'm not a big fan of, in some ways, of highlight films, I think they tell you about upside, but they don't tell you where a guy takes a playoff or doesn't respond to coaching or any of a million things. But I swear to God, you watch his skill set on film, and I'm like, man, if there's 138 better players in this class than him, I'd like to see him. And, of course, he yeah. went to Sunrise Christian, which puts out just a ton of players. I really like the skill set that kid has from what I have seen. Oh, I agree. And, you know, the only thing about that, I'll have to go back and look at it, but I could have swore that he placed the ball in his left hand to shoot. And, I, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I don't know many players that shoot uh, their, their release hand is their opposite hand. Uh, that that I'm sitting there trying to think about that myself, and that would be really weird. Uh, but I'll just go back and check it. He looks left-handed to me. He may not be. It doesn't matter. Uh, the end result is the is the only thing that matters. But uh, I was trying to think about some of the players that we had that were left-handers uh, that I can remember. I want to say, and I might be wrong about this. In fact, I'd be completely wrong about this. But wasn't 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 Matt Freeji left-handed? Man, you think I would remember that, but I don't. Um, maybe it was Dan Lange. Uh, uh, Frank Secker was a lefty. I'm pretty oh, sure. Frank. I'm thinking of lefty point guy. guards they've had. That's the one that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. Pretty talented young man. There's no look. I think we pretty well decided to save at least not going to be going for the team next year. Uh, but if that's the case, but I mean, as experience of playing together, I, I get, but I would say this from a potential standpoint, you could do worse than running Scotty Pippen, Jr. Tyron Lawrence and Isaac McBride out on the court coach. Oh, or, now wait, 
is McBride is eligible immediately. Is that right, Chris? I don't think he is. You've got two issues with that right like now. December? Well, first of all, I don't like in December. <sighs> I don't. I don't know. I'm, uh, the other thing is, I think you know. I'm not sure he's been admitted to Vanderbilt yet. Oh, you done made Doctor Cooper mad on that. <laughs> and let me be clear. I'm not reporting, but I don't. I don't think that he has been. I think there's been some question about that. Um. So I'll just leave it at that. I mean, it, it may work out fine, but I'm I'm still a little unclear. Now, he told me that he hoped to enroll at Vanderbilt in May, which obviously that's not going to happen. At least he's not going to be on campus in May uh, for the virus reasons. But there's a little – there's some question to me. And, of course, it's not like when you're a transfer, you don't sign a letter of intent like other schools do. Uh, but I think you report to campus. I'd have to go back and look through my old emails from Vanderbilt Athletics. But I think usually when a guy enrolls, a lot of times there's been an announcement. And I think, um, gosh, I want to say maybe it was another outlet that requested comment on that. And I think Vanderbilt told them that uh, they didn't comment on kids till they were enrolled or something like that. So that makes me think, too, that there's still an issue. Okay, well, I mean, and, and that's fine, and there may very well be. How about I'll just say this. Uh, with the potential lineup, and I, if, if he was eligible, I think maybe in December or something like that, on the floor with Isaac McBride, Tyron Lawrence, and Scotty Pippen and some kind of, kind of combination, all I'm saying behind that, Chris, is you could certainly do, with, do worse than that personnel-wise. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think there there's some issues with McBride as a player. I'll probably get into those with David Sisk tomorrow uh, because he knows kind of the goods on that one too. But it, it's yeah. it's a it's still look it's still a very uncertain picture, and I think I've been saying that for a while, even before the season ended, that there's a long way to go between now and next year and what that roster will look like. But at least there's, I mean, I the Lawrence thing. Unless there's something about that kid that, you know, he's not a good teammate or something like that. Just from what I see and what I know, that looks like a good pickup for them. You know, what? I mean, this may be a little short-sighted way of looking at it, and it wouldn't be the first one we ever got. Uh, but as I look on his offer list, there's a particular school on there that, I, and maybe it's a short-sighted way of looking at it, Chris, but when they offer, I pay attention to it, especially when it comes to things that you're talking about right there. And that's the Gonzaga offer. You know, uh, I, I look at that. I mean, he's got some nice offers already other than them, you know, the Cali Old Miss and, some, and Kansas State and some other offers like that. But I look at that Gonzaga offer right there, Chris, and I, and I, and I think to myself, Mark Few knows what he's doing. Uh, he knows who, to not, who and who to not to offer to bring into that program. And if he likes them, you know, there's, so there certainly must be something there. Not that it's a guarantee, but you know how it is. It's the same thing with football. And you see, like, some some linemen that are offered by Iowa. If, if, if Iowa's offering them as an offensive lineman, then you kind of hold that into a little bit higher regard. You know, I know you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I look at that, and, and that's a, that's another reason for me to be, uh, at least have a positive spin on this side. Yeah, it's kind of like the Patriots drafting a player. You kind of sit up and take notice a little bit. They get the benefit of the doubt. 
Because, yeah, just like that, because they do. Because somebody takes the Patriots, you think to yourself, okay, there's something innate in this player. There's something about this particular player uh, that's right. If the Patriots think it's right, then it must be. And it's not always the case. But I would say this. I would trust it a lot more than than your average. So I know you know what I mean when I'm saying, you know, not just because they're a big-time program, but if Mark Few thinks that he deserves an offer, then it's going to – then it's got my attention. I wonder if that is a Roger Powell thing because they were starting to make inroads with Sunrise Christian. And of course, they had Austin Crowley committed and actually signed before the Drew staff got fired. But of course, Roger Powell at Gonzaga now, and he was their top assistant. So I would think there's probably a connection there. Are you surprised that that coach uh, that coach Stackhouse was able to win this battle, especially given the fact that Crowley came from that same school? Well, he hasn't won it yet. I, I think on Ole Miss's end, and I will talk about this with David tomorrow. And look, you take them how you can get them, right? And this happens everywhere. It's not the first time. You only have um, you know, sometimes it, it's a product of, of circumstance, like. Some years, like Vanderbilt might sneak a quarterback out of Alabama that Alabama or Auburn might be interested in, uh, but they're not because they don't need a quarterback that year, right? See where I'm going? So sure. that because other schools back out doesn't mean that he's not a good player. But I think Ole Miss, I think from what David told me, and he might have put this on the board, and again, I will have him elaborate tomorrow. I think Ole Miss – is more in the market for maybe a small forward. So there might be an element of that, but I think the thing that I did like is that it said that the staff had been in contact with him a good bit, uh, which would be a real change from the first 12 months of, of the way they recruited. Well, then that's a good sign. I mean, and maybe that may, maybe that means that there's maybe a, a little bit more of a sense of urgency uh, on, on Coach Stack's part and the staff, and, and recognizing that uh, player development's fine, uh, but you got to have the clay. And they went after Lawrence Harden, and uh, you know, unless something changes, fully expecting to hear the good news tomorrow morning. But uh, I think that is certainly a step in the right direction, and, and it's, we're going to need more than that. Clearly, we're going to start winning uh, some more of these battles. But uh, make no mistake about it. Getting Tyron Lawrence at this point in the game is a is a is a really big deal for Coach Stack and the staff, no doubt. Uh, player development was never a very good excuse in the first place because you only get so many hours with kids in the first place. It wasn't a very good excuse for who? Well, we're saying they weren't going to be it on the road as much as other staffs were. I, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't understand the correlation here. Well, they said they were not going to be as active in recruiting because they were going to spend their time in player development, but the NCAA limits how much time you get with each kid every week. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, I could say something trendy like, you know, making the most of the time they get, but, you know, I mean, well, I mean, let me just ask you, uh, this particular team right here, especially as the season went on and they're right there at the end, if you look at the rosters now, look, there were just players on there who just weren't going to be able to contribute much because they're just they're just not at that level. But, I mean, wouldn't you say that a good chunk of the players that you saw this year uh, progressively got better? I would say he did really good work with his backcourt. Neesmith looked like a better player. Hard to say the competition wasn't great, but I would bet nine times out of ten 
that that was going to translate to the league. Now, he might not shoot threes at 52% or whatever he was shooting and scoring 23 a game, but you saw it. That kid was a stud, right? Saban Lee, I think, speaks for itself. Pippen was way better than anybody thought. So, yeah, I mean, I think at least in that regard, they did good development work. Now, having said that, they really lack bigs, okay? And, and so that's the piece of the puzzle we don't know about. But I think the work that he did with guards was was really good. I think so. And look, I mean, you know, if I if if I don't have chorizo in the house, I can't make chorizo and eggs for breakfast. You <laughs> right. know, and I mean, well, I mean, and I don't mean anything bad, but that's the case. I mean, of course he didn't. He didn't have them, and the one that he kind of had. He didn't have this year. Yeah. You know, so, so I mean, I, I can't even get on him for that. Well, he did have Obina, who was now, what, three years in the program? Next year will be four. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, I know, right? And he really hasn't taken that step. I don't know that that's the staff's fault. I mean, he never really came on under the other staff. That might just be a kid that, you know, the, the, a lot of these raw kids, right? Um, one time sure. out of ten, you get a Festus as Ely. The, the other parts, you probably get a kid who never, for whatever reason, takes that step forward. I mean, you sign a kid like that, you say he's an unmined gym, he's young, he doesn't have much experience. And sometimes the light turns on later, but I didn't really see the light coming on with him. Now, he had some solid games, uh, but I think he's... He's more Chris Woods than Festus Azili. Oh, I, yeah, I, I think so. I'd agree with that, and that's and that's why. I mean, I can't really hold him to that. You know, it's it's it, now now the one thing that he's going to have to do is get some big men and bring them in, have them. Uh, you know, and and if that's the transfer market, it's the transfer market. Now, Stoops, I mean, what are we calling him? He's kind of a swing guy, I guess. When you say. Yeah, I mean, I think he's – hopefully he's a shooter that they need. I mean, he didn't score a lot last year, though, and there's a little bit – and that's something I'll get into with David tomorrow. Um, I'm not sure what kind of player he's going to be for them. No, that, that's why I think they would be great. Now, if they could get the young man out of out of Purdue, that would be great, but good grief. Uh, everybody's going after him. But, have you, you know, I think somebody brought this up, and I was kind of thinking the same thing on the board the other day. Have you noticed how some of these mid-major transfers are attracting, like, the creme de la creme of college football, or excuse me, college basketball, uh, to get them on their rosters? Have you Have you noticed that? I think that happens a lot more than people perceive. Well, it certainly may happen more than I perceive because I haven't noticed it to this level, you know, to, to this effect where guys you haven't even heard of, you know, guys playing, you know, uh, for Idaho state and I'm just throwing out schools out there, you know, and, you know, Southern Utah, and then he averages 12 points a game. Next thing you know, North Carolina's after him, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, I mean, I know it's, it's it's a decent way to fill some holes in your roster, and it's shown some college success, but I don't remember being it like this. And maybe you do, but I don't. I don't remember this many mid-majors to small school uh, transfers uh, having this much fanfare about them. Well, it's an age thing, right? Because 
a lot of guys at 18, True. there's a question that they'll develop. By the time you're 21, there's a lot more clear idea of what kind of player you're going to be. And two guys at 18, you know, one guy may be, uh, have a much higher ceiling than the other guy. But if you freeze it there and you take the guy when he's 21 and compare him to the 18-year-old, again, skill sets may be disparate, but I'll take a 21-year-old with less upside at that point than an 18-year-old that's going to need some development. I think that's what coaches see, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's the case. I just, I really would love for them to be able to snag a big man, come in, give me, hey, give me, give me 26 minutes a game, give me 20 minutes a game, give me, you know, 11 points and six boards and, and, and be a presence in the paint, rebound and, 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 you know, force some shots the other direction. That would be so huge for this basketball team. You know, I don't think they're, I mean, there just aren't that many quality big men anymore. That's not just a Vandy thing. Yeah, but you know what? And and, and that's because, uh, you know, and, and we knew this was coming, though, right, Chris? Everything starts from the NBA and works its way down. You know that. Um, I mean, I, I'm not surprised that, that that's where we're headed. But I don't think that doesn't mean that big men, you know, the, the, the type of big men we're looking for, the ones that are – you know, versatile can and, and get up and down the court when necessary. Uh, but the the difference making big men, uh, I will say they've gone the way of the dinosaur or any or anything like that. And you can win without one. But man, when you got one that still can make a like precious now, what, like what was the young man's name? Uh, I'm sorry, I forget the young man that uh, had the nasty injury for Auburn the the season before last. Oh, you know, uh, Wiley. The, um, that might be it. I was, I was thinking it was an African name. Um, but, uh, I, re- I remember him getting hurt and, but I remember how dominant that dude was. I mean, he was all around the rim snagging everything. You couldn't stop him going to the paint. You know, think about a guy like now he didn't really become a dominant player in, 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 in NBA or anything like that. But, uh, I love the magic of a guy like Frank, the tank from a couple of years ago. Remember how good he was? Oh yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, you know, you, you, <laughs> they don't grow on trees and that's true. And I know this is basically more, more uh, a perimeter game, you know, to be honest with you, Chris, we should want you know what I mean? That's that's exactly what we should want for college basketball to morph into a kind of a perimeter game because, I mean, I, I think that's what Stack is. That's his wheelhouse, you know, and, and if we can get us some shooters and catch who can run his offense, I think we'd be much better because uh, we're not going to match bigs with some of the some of the upper echelon in this conference right now. It's just, it's just not going to happen at, at, at this point. Uh, you know, maybe that needs to be our focus, though. Maybe uh, – uh, a completely perimeter oriented type of deal. And if you can snag a six, nine, six, 10 rebounder with long arms, who can clog up the middle a little bit for a little while, maybe get you eight, 10 points a game, you know, six, seven rebounds a game. Maybe that needs, that has to be enough, which is right there about where Cleveland might live, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, Cleveland Brown, if he's healthy and plays next year is a perfectly serviceable big man in this league. In fact, I'm thinking, man, the last three or four years, I don't ever remember a period, and I'm probably forgetting somebody okay, but I just can't think of 
a time in the league where there have been fewer dominant big men in the SEC than there have been the last couple of years. I mean, everybody got all excited about Kerry Blackshear coming in. I don't know that he had quite the year that people anticipated, but there just haven't been a lot of great ones. No, no, there has, there's not. Um, my, I guess one of the best guys in the paint in this conference would be the, I'm going blank on his name, the kid from Mississippi State. Uh, yeah, he, he, yeah. He um, year. Reggie uh, Perry. Yes, Reggie Perry. Thank you very much. I like him a lot. I mean, and uh, I'd love, of course, every team would love to have a Reggie Perry type guy on their team. But you know what? Maybe, Chris, maybe our focus needs to be on just sharp shooting and perimeter play. Oh, you know. I wrote about that in when the three point streak ended. They have, and this is where Bryce Drew started it. Okay. So I lay most of the blame at his feet. They just have not had enough quality shooters in a long time. And I think if you're Vanderbilt, that program has proven time and time and time again that if you get those guys, and usually here's the other thing that's kind of been underrated about them, they've had their share of bigs too. You go back to Will Purdue, you go to Frank Cornette, Chris Lawson wasn't on that list of guys in terms of skills, but he was solid. He worked with what they had. You go to... Matt Frege, although he was a different kind of big man, A.J. Ogilvie, Festus Azili, Damian Jones. I mean, they've had their share of guys. You get one big like that who's pretty good and surrounded by three or four shooters and a competent point guard, and you win your share of games at Vanderbilt. Those were all quality big men, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Every last one of those men. Yeah, every last one of those names were, were certainly quality big men. So, you know, they're fine. They can be found, but it, it, it takes a lot of work to get it done. And But I agree with you. I'm not talking about going exclusively perimeter. I think perimeter-oriented, yes. But that one anchor in the paint, in the paint pun intended there, like an A.J. Ogilvy, just like you're talking about. Man, if, you know, if, you, if he's one of those guys who can run the floor, you know, God, that would be a big man that can run the floor and score in the paint and play defense defense effectively. Man, that right there would solve so many problems for this team. Of course, it solves the problem for almost any team, but that's what we need. And, and, and you know, I don't care if you got to go to New Zealand to find it. That's what we got to get done. Well, I started the Vandy Sports 100 this week, which is our countdown, and it's free. By the way, if you're listening, go to VandySports.com. The entire series is going to be free. I'm doing 10 players a week, starting from 100 and going down, but Riley, the chance was number 100, and Riley's one of those guys that I think I would have ranked him where I did to begin with, but like if they had kept up with the shooters, you take for granted what is in front of you, right? In other words, if you're used to covering a program for 20 years where they always have two or three really good shooters on the team... You tend to think, well, it's not that special a commodity because they always have them, right? Right. Well, the minute you don't have them, you appreciate that guy um, a lot more. I'll, ca- I'll call it the Matt Bushman uh, theory. or that's, that's not a good word for it. But Matt Bushman was a guy that I didn't really appreciate at the time at Vanderbilt. Then they went through a time where they couldn't find like a quality number three starting pitcher. And Bushman had always like been that guy. You are know, like, oh, well, everybody's got these guys. And then for a couple of years, Vanderbilt doesn't have that guy. And you're like, oh, well, 
against Matt Bushman was more valuable than we think. I think the same thing was in play with Riley the Chance and a lot of those shooters. You finally learned that, no, everybody doesn't have them, and they're not always a given, even at a place like Vanderbilt, and suddenly you value that commodity more. Yeah, no doubt. By the way, I, I haven't gone into arena, but I've seen I've seen uh, your the first four or five of, uh, of intros into your top 100. Yeah, Pretty well. interesting stuff. I like, I like all of that. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll give I, you. I didn't know if you wanted me to mention. I didn't want to mention anybody just in case. I don't know if you wanted to or not. No, I mean, we can talk about the six that I've put in already. Well, I, I, let's see. The ones I know I saw, uh, of course, you just you just mentioned 100. I think so Adam Butler, I think, was 99. And the other two I remember were, I think, Bruno Reagan. And I want to say, was Mike back to one of them? Yeah, here's my list. Um, let's see. This would be starting from 95. I had 95 Spencer Pulley, 96 Rashard Langford, 97, Mike Baxter, 98, Bruno Reagan, 99, Adam Butler, and 100, Riley LeChance. So where do you think I got – and by the way, I think this actually in a lot of ways gets harder as you go down the list. I didn't have probably as much trouble separating 1 to 20 as much as I did 80 through 100. So hmm. of those six, who do you think I had too high or too low? I don't know that you had any. I mean, it's it, first of all, I don't know who else is coming, so you know that 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 makes it hard uh, to answer that question. But the the one that I would say uh, was, well, I really liked both of those players a lot, um, and Spencer was always consistent. He was he was always good. You know, I mean, Spencer was 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 never a problem. Uh, you think he was better than Bruno Reagan? Well, I tell you what I do on linemen, okay? I don't trust my eyes. Let's, for, let, let's be honest, okay? Most of us, when we were watching football games, you no, know, you might be different because you played, but put yourself in my shoes. I'm just Joe Sports Writer. I didn't play football, certainly didn't play offensive line. And you're watching 22 guys on one snap, okay? So first of all, by the nature of football, there's a lot to watch, and there's a lot that you're going to miss. Second of all, uh, line play is away from the ball. You know, if, if you're not watching the ball, you're you're missing the game in terms of what I have to cover, right? Um, right. So then, then that if you're going to really dig into stuff, you're going to have to sit down and break down film and spend a lot of times on these guys. And frankly, even on TV, sometimes even in high def, it's it's hard to see sometimes everything that goes on because of camera angles and such. So. I've just offered you a lot of excuses. And for that reason, what I do, um, I lend some credence to voters, but but not a lot with linemen. Um, I figure the guys that are dominant are going to be on there. But I think I assume everybody's kind of like me. They don't have time to watch it, and they may not know what they're looking at anyway. So I'm not saying pro football focus is infallible, but I put a lot of weight on their grades because they go back and watch every snap, okay? They track penalties. They track who gave up a sack, all that stuff. Spencer Pulley had the second highest grade of any Vanderbilt player uh, since they started grading Vanderbilt in 2014 in his last season. So that's number one, okay? Pulley got graded for two seasons. He graded well in one, and he graded extremely well in the other. Number two, I put a lot of weight on the NFL 
and what they think alignment. In other words, I might not think a ton of a guy coming out of Vanderbilt might not give him much thought as a better way to put it. But if he makes an NFL team and he hangs on for a few years, that answers the question about talent. So I lean a lot on both those things and Pulley checked both boxes in a big way. He graded better than Bruno did. And of course, Bruno, I think, might eventually make an NFL roster after what he did in the XFL, but he hasn't yet. So I looked at those two and I said, I think I've got to give the nod with apologies to my friends at Reagan's. Um, love that family. Uh, but I got to be honest about what I do. And by those criteria, I had to put Pulley ahead. And I think that was the right call. I won't get you won't get too much argument now. But like I said, Spencer was real consistent all the time. I mean, he was ne- he was he was a solid football player all the way through. A couple of players and and see if they have a chance of making the list or not. Just or two that I say that again. You broke up a little bit. I said I'm going to ask you about a player or two, and maybe give me a hint if they have a chance of making the list or not. Um, before we do that, here's what I'm going to do. Did you see my honorable mention list? I did not. Okay. I'm going to go through that and I'm going to read you the 25 players who didn't make it. Um, I'm also going to give you one that I, well, I don't want to give it away yet. I might. Uh, I'm, here's what I'm going to do first. Okay. <laughs> well, I was going to say sure. this. There's one guy that I might have regretted leaving out. I guess I'll go ahead and give it away because this guy won't be in the top 100. But, like, I didn't put Matthew Fisher Davis on the 20. He's not in the top 100, and he's also not in the 25 honorable mentions. That's one that I I should have given more consideration. And I, I'm going to say if I dropped the ball on anything, that's it. Now, I, I would not have put Matt in the top 100. But I think he might have been my next 25. That's the one regret I have. Chase Reed was another one. Then in the context of his time, put up some really good numbers. Um, Mitch Light kind of talked me out of that one. Um, but I didn't have Chase in my top 125 either. But other than that, I think I'm I'm feeling good about where I am. That doesn't mean that I'm right. But I will say this. I didn't leave a lot of stones unturned. I did a ton of research on this. Um, Anyway, here are my 101 through 125. I'll just run down the list quickly. 101, Justin School, followed by Jared Pinckney, Sean Richardson, Patrick Benoit, Corey Smith, Alex Gordon, Tim Fugger, Stephen Weatherly, Jason DeLay, Rob Lohr, Matt Rupenthal, Alex Feinberg, Julian Infante, Stephen Little, Xavier Turner, John Kilachowski, Ben Bowden, Oren Burks, Marcus Bugs, Mario Moore, Warren Norman, Chris Nixon, Russell Brewer, Austin Carter Samuels, and Quane Doster. Would you take any of those 25 and bump out any of the six that I've got in the top 100 so far? I don't know. Uh, you know. Justin School was pretty dead gum productive for a long time. He had to play early on, and he was pretty solid most of his career. Uh, it's funny. M- one of the guys that I was going to ask you about fell into your into that window of, of 101 to 125, uh, believe it or not, and that was Tim Fuger. Yeah, Fuger's one that I wonder 
if I underrated. I think with him, he had that one great senior year, which got him drafted by the Colts, which he didn't make. I think if Fugger makes the Colts or somebody in plays, I probably give him a little bit more benefit of the doubt. But I thought that there were some guys, for instance, you look at that list, okay? You look at the six that I've got in so far. Pulley has played in the NFL for four years and started about half the time. Langford played for three years. Didn't play a lot, but was good enough to be on three teams. Uh, Although I guess he only played in two of those years. Uh, Mike Baxter made the majors. Had a great junior year. Bruno Reagan we talked about. Adam Butler, you know the story. He's done well with the Patriots, which answers some questions. And Riley, the chance who had a really solid year and was, was a shooter. Most of those guys, LaChance in particular, had a really good body of work, had that sophomore slump, but not a lot of flaws to pick with the overall body of work. Wasn't a great defender, we knew that, but shot great, handled the ball really well. He's a guy you want on your team. Um most of the rest of those guys, I mean, Langford started every game of his career. Pulley started three out of four seasons and played for some good teams. I mean, Pulley would have been a starter. Pulley got a redshirt year in 2012, but he started four games, which is the maximum you could go. So right there, you say 2012 was probably the best Vanderbilt team uh, of the last 30 years. Well, maybe the last 40 years. And Pulley was good enough to start hey, on that team. It was the best team. Well, the best I mean, you could argue 82, right? And mid, mid the, the Peach Bowl team, I wasn't around then to argue that one in the mid-70s, but at least the last 35 years. It's either them or 82 because they're better than 13. In 13, they go 9-4. and four. He starts every game for that team. So Spencer Pulley was good enough to start for two top 25 teams, which answers a lot of questions, too. So... um, Anyway, I've, I've given you a very long-winded answer. I'll tell you another one. Stephen Weatherly was an awfully good player. And I wonder how that goes oh, if he plays four years, say, for James Franklin. Mm. Yeah, in regards to how much more successful he – because the reason I ask is because you're factoring something in that I didn't realize that you were factoring in on this list, and that was what they did after Vanderbilt. Well, yes and no, okay? I thought this was only about – I just misread it. I thought this was only about their their Vanderbilt careers because if it's about their Vanderbilt careers, it doesn't matter what they've done afterwards. No, no, it is, but let me explain, okay? I think in some cases, like – I don't know that we understood how good of a player Spencer Pulley was. There's three or four re- really key ingredients for being underrated, right? One, you play on a bad okay. team because bad players from bad teams, unless they're just unbelievably good, are not going to be on all-conference lists, okay? And all-conference is one okay. of the things that I started. I'm like, okay, let's look at first-team all-league people. That's a That's a really good jumping-off point for this list. But at Vanderbilt, you might be a first. Like, I thought Bruno Reagan should have been on SEC as a senior, but he wasn't because he played at Vandy. And there's linemen for Georgia and Alabama that are more household names. So that's one thing. I look at that and the fact that it's just so hard to know what you're looking at with linemen. If if I don't know exactly what to do with you, I look at what the pros did with you. And if you can make an NFL team and play for several years and particularly start – that tells me that you were probably really good and just overlooked. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I just wanted to make sure that I knew 
where we were, where, where, you know, what the parameters were for this list. No, no, those are parameters, yeah. but that is the place where I look to clear things up. And I'll give you another example, okay? Yeah. I think we all knew Jay Cutler was a really good player when he was at Vanderbilt, but we weren't sure exactly how good he was because his surrounding cast was terrible for the most part. Well, I think when Jay got the NFL and started for 10 years or whatever it was, uh, that answered a lot of questions. So that is where it is based on um, what you do at Vanderbilt, particularly what you do to contribute to winning. But in cases of guys like that where we learn later, wow, not only is this guy good, but he was good enough to stick around at a pro level for a good chunk of time. That is where I use those things to maybe shed some clarity and maybe bump a couple other guys. Because frankly, okay, if Spencer Pulley doesn't play in the NFL, I don't know how much I'm looking at him for the list because Spencer Pulley never made all SEC. He wasn't even all freshman SEC. So the body of, of accolades that suggests he's a great player isn't there. Because he makes the NFL, I went and looked back into his career. Then I started looking at the pro football focus grades for him and said, oh, wait, not only was he good enough to play in the league, but he played pretty well when he was at Vandy, too, if you go by the two years he got graded. So that is a very long-winded explanation, but I hope it makes sense. All right, I got two players that I want to know about. You can just tell me, uh, made the list or not, uh, or, you, or, or you don't have to tell me at all. I'm going to go for one for baseball. I would think so, but, you know, I, I didn't make this list. Uh, somewhere between now and 94, 95, will Jeremy Sowers make an appearance? Oh, Jeremy Sowers will absolutely make an appearance, but you're going to have to wait a while to get to it because we are counting down. Okay. okay. Uh, now, now here's one for you. You have to ask yourself, because this guy certainly played in the NFL, and he was extremely highly recruited. He was a good football player. There's no doubt about it. But expectations are one thing, you know. What about Jimmy Williams? Jimmy Williams is absolutely on the list. Do you feel that – hey, look, he was a good football player. There ain't no doubt about it. Uh, but didn't really do much in the NFL. Uh, you know, and he was so highly recruited. Do, do you, would you would you say this? He lived up to the billing. Would you say that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was a second round pick coming out of Vandy, which is, you know, what a high four star is, and that's what Jimmy was. I mean, look, what was he? Well, wait, he fell down to what one twenty one, one thirty in the final rankings. Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, that that's certainly twenty three years ago. I think it was, but uh, but I, I seem to remember something. Well, here's what I'm getting at. He fell in the rankings, but it's because he didn't play as a senior. And before that, I want to say he was in the fifties or the sixties by rivals. Maybe the sixties could have been the seventies. But when you're late second round, that's pick sixty or whatever. That's exactly where he wound up. In other words, before he didn't play football as a senior, like before he took the fall off the cliff in his rankings, I think his draft position overall was very close to where rivals had him ranked. Okay, I got to do one more. I'm sorry. I, I could do this all day, but I got to do one more for you. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Steve Grant. Steve Grant was way before I covered Vanderbilt. Well, he- 
play with Will Purdue. Will Purdue's not on the list. What? what you you never read the criteria. I said it's the guys that I covered. Oh, okay. Which is 03 <laughs> on. And and here let me it's basically a 20-year window, right? Okay. Uh, because okay. because if you're finishing up in 03, then you might have started in 2000, 2001. Although if you if you finished in 02, um, you know, you didn't make it. You had to be you had to be at Vanderbilt and actively playing sometime from January 2003 on to make the list because I just limited it to to the guys that I have covered. Okay, well that's that's gonna leave some really good football players off like Jamie Winburn and and, and stuff like that. But hey, I mean this is still it's still gonna be a great list. I, I I'm excited to count it down with you and the rest of the Commodore fans. So I know it, and I know for sure you've put a ton of work into it. I thought you were saying at first that Will just didn't make it because he didn't make it. And I was gonna look, be like, look, Chris, I love you, but you're insane. Oh no, I'm I'm not on drugs. There is. There is no doubt that Will Purdue would be on any 100 list, but I limit it to, to what I have covered. Um, and you do look on, when you're on the beat, you do pick up on some things you, you, that sometimes they don't go public in terms of team chemistry and stuff like that, or, or wrecking a locker room. I mean, I, there's some things in there that are, um, I, I think you have a level of access and knowledge, obviously, when you're covering a program that you you don't otherwise. I'm going to go by, sure. in fact, while we're doing this, I'm going to count the list of the guys who have played pro sports. I mean, not not minor league ball, but like NBA, um, major league baseball, NFL. And I'll give that to you in a minute. I'm actually going to tally that as we're talking. So, you know, another thing I'll be interested to see is the the – the how because I know both of these guys are going to make the list and and Shane Foster and Derek Byers, but I'll be real interested to see the difference in the rankings between those two, how far apart they are. Yeah, there was a little distance in those guys, but it's because you know Shane was a really good player for four years, and Derek was a really good player for one year and a good player for another. Yeah. Yeah, I'll ride with that. Um, man, this is this is cool, man. I'm looking forward to this list going down. I am, especially, you know, especially if it's, you know, in the last 15 to 20 years, I think most of the people on the board, most of the fans, they're going to remember all those players. Well, I mean, let you me can't give be going you going back to right, David Curry, and they none of us going to know that. So my top 30 players: one, two, three, four, five, six. Twenty-four of the top thirty have played pro ball, and most of the rest are guys that are gonna make it. In other words, like a certain player who got drafted by MLB last year is is right. in my top thirty. Uh, wouldn't be hard yeah, to figure that make- out, but he's not in the bigs yet. So, and frankly, most of the list, more often than not, if you were on the list, you played pro ball at that level uh just because i haven't seen all the parameters are current players eligible yes although um like jack Leiter won't be on the list because he's you know pitched four games or whatever but like kumar rocker is eligible to be on the list and spoiler is on the list 
on that list because, I mean, I mean, look, he's a man. I mean, he was the toast of college baseball. He was, you know, I mean, he was the name, the one going around above all else, above everybody else. And I'm, I'll be interested to see how much weight that carries with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm hooked. You've got me, brother. I'll be, I'll be counting down with you 100 to 1. Well, I bet you I have spent two to three dozen hours, probably closer to three, just coming up with my list before I did this. How far, how far, how, 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 I mean, was it easy to do? I mean, because you're all in very everything. I know I was. Did you like go down, look at old rosters from 2003 and up, just to make sure you didn't miss anybody? Oh yeah, I mean, I've looked at everything. I've looked at school record books. I have looked at team leaders from every year. Uh, the closest I came is I left Will Toffee off inadvertently, but I caught that fortunately um, a couple of days before I settled on it, but. Yeah, I mean, you read it over and over, and eventually you'll think of player X who makes you think of player Y, then you go digging. And I mean, I I basically wore out my media guides at viewcommodores.com to go back and do my research. You know, I bet there's one name, and I swear this is my last one. Chris, I can't help it. I'm addicted. Uh, there's one that was such a unique player and a very talented young man, and he's turned into be quite the prospect. But And I know he's on there, but I'll be interested to see how high you have Jaron Kendall ranked. Probably <laughs> higher than most people would think. I, I love Mason Jaron Kendall, man. Now, he, he's – I think he's going to turn out to be a really good pro too, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately. I'm happy for him. I just hate that it's with the Dodgers. Jaron Kendall had, I'm going to say one of the five biggest plays in school history of any sport. When he hit that walk off to beat Fullerton. Because you remember watching that game? And I mean, they were dead and buried, right? Yep. Dead and buried. Eshelman just, they could not do anything. They got that really lucky break with the rain delay. And Kendall comes back. I think they're down two in the ninth. And I think they get a run. And then I think he walks them off. My memory on that could be wrong. But that completely changed the trajectory of that 2015 College World Series, which they didn't finish off. uh, But they run through that side of the bracket unbeaten, um, which it's a different story if he doesn't hit that home run. Absolutely, man. All right. I'm not asking about anybody else. I just encourage everybody to go to the website and read this countdown 100 to one. And the the criteria is it's had to been in what the last 17 years. Is that right? Yeah. Although like spoiler alert, Matt Freeges, Matt Freeges, Matt Freeges on the list. Okay. And Matt played again by my criteria, Matt barely squeezed into that time frame. But Jimmy Williams did not. So if you're using that criteria, you can't use Jimmy Williams. That's correct. He's got to go. I love yep. you, Jimmy, but you got to go. <laughs> Boy, he was fun to watch, though. Yeah. Well, I look forward to it, my friend. What else you got? I'm, I'm about good. No, I'm good, too. I've got to get back to homeschooling. I have bribed my kids uh, with either 
going to get a takeout pizza or Sonic or whatever it is they want if they will finish their school, but we've not finished school yet. Well, what you going to bribe me with, Jack? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me next week, okay? Man, Jenny's. I want is Jenny's okay? Are they open still? I mean that's essential. Um, I do not think Jenny's is open right now, I would guess. Oh man. Well maybe they're delivering like pints or you can order them in, off the mail or something like that. You know, have Amazon bring it or whatever. I gotta have my Jenny's, man. Mm. <laughs> I can do it without a lot of things, but I can't do it without that that uh that uh What's the kind I always get, Chris? That I always tell you to get. Uh, tell you about, uh, uh, gooey butter cake, and I don't remember your other one. Cream puff. Yeah, yeah, gooey butter cake and cream puff. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> That's what I need. All right, brother. Well, uh, have a good time, man. I enjoyed myself. Hey, before you leave, tell people where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your show online. Yes, yes. You can find me on Twitter at Cheap Seats Bass. Talking off things Vanderbilt. Uh, you can find me online at WNWS.com. And if you happen to find yourself in Jackson, Tennessee, Monday through Friday from 6 to 8, you can find me at 101.5 on the cheap seats in year, Chris, Chris, year number 20, 20. You can believe that. That is crazy. Uh, he is Seabass. Thank you for joining us today, my man. I'm Chris You're Lee, welcome. the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. And we will be back with a podcast with David Sisk that will air either Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, or Friday morning. But be looking for that one to drop. If everybody's doing well, have a great rest of your week.